Good evening, Planet Bo Blimpdock. It is September the 25th, 2023, Bo Blimpdock. It is September the 25th. I don't give a fuck what time it is. It's probably about 6 o'clock. If you care about time, if you care about space, if you want to save the wretched human race, tell me more about, tell me something about, tell me about time. And I'm going to make a change to the microphone really quick because I'm noticing a rattle and an agglomeration and chances are it'll create frictozoid. None of which helps a podcast when you're thinking about it. And just so you know, this podcast doesn't really have um, an outline or notes. I had some stuff I thought I wanted to talk about. The truth is I don't. You know, every once in a while I think about something and I think I want to talk about it. But then I say, you know what? Best left on another table for another day. You know? What are we going to talk about? We're going to talk about the rain. We're going to talk about Georgia. It's worse than Giardia. It's an STD I invented. It's special to me. Oh, yeah. Named after Michael Jordan. Not that he had it, baby. But he is so awesome and powerful like Georgia. It's worse than crabs. It's worse than herpes. It's worse than Giardia. gonorrhea it's gonorrhoidia it's gonorrhoidia anyways you know what there's no michael jordan std forget what i said he's pretty cool but um maybe there should be you never know name things after powerful cool people right but it's wrong. You shouldn't do that. No, there's no topic. There's no outline. Um, I don't have Georgia um, or Giardia or gonorrhea or kleptozoid. I might have fructus. I've been tested for what's called Drimulac Syndrome 8. Not as bad as 9. That's good news. Not as bad as 9. Most of my insides have been replaced with sawdust and broken glass and sand and all kinds of riprap, according to the methods of Dr. Grunkus of Little Saigon, Seattle. He has a special office he opens up in the alley in Little Saigon, Seattle at midnight on Thursdays. He's got some fishing line. He's got this, you know, needle. He made it all bent up. 
It's only a little rusty. He's got vodka. He's got a tent hammer. He'll put you out. He'll clean the wound if there's any vodka left. Grunkus likes a snifter. He'll take a little glass. You know, a pint glass. But that's my primary care physician, Dr. Grunkus of Little Saigon. He cleaned me out. He cleaned me in. He took my insides and put them in a bottle full of gin. He tore out space and replaced it with time. He found a green slime. He said, we don't need to know. He told me, deep inside my heart, there were parasites feeding on pain. Yeah, feeding on pain. parasites they cleave after me they drill holes inside of my heart and they leave me a holy mess yeah everybody's got health problems it's 2023 you probably got a health problem who knows but Dan, I, I eat only the bee pollen extract of New Zealand. I eat only the crushed bull testicle sauce of Alex Jones. I have the super carnivore pill. I take it every evening. I eat kale. Lots of kale. I poop kale, Dan. Day, day and night. Kale, Dan. I have a painting of kale. It's hung in my, you know, in my bathroom. I named my first kid Kale. Yeah, you're healthy. You're fine. I'm sure you're fine. Maybe you are. Um, God bless, you know. I mean, I'll say it. I'm mostly healthy. I, I got a little bit of a cold, big deal. After driving on that, you know, pestilence-ridden greyhound, I'm surprised I didn't end up getting something that would kill me. Not because of the people, but because of the fucking greyhound. That thing was shit. It was a steaming pile of shit. The company's shit, I'll just say it. You know, it's true, they're cheap. And it, it might be the case that if you've got no other fucking option, the Greyhound is for you. But keep in mind, you might not get there. 
That's another motto of Greyhound. That's on a poster. Greyhound. Colon. You might not get there. You know? And I can speak about that from experience. You might not get there. You might have high hopes for taking the Greyhound. You might end up with a meth head bus driver. You know, coming on your way to some place in the Midwest who's all on something and angry and yelling and picking on passengers. You could get that guy too. And maybe they don't get paid enough. And guess what? Probably in terms of the monetary policy of the U.S. since 1972, none of you, to include me, gets paid enough. If you are wise, you know that inflation never went away. It didn't. They hid it in places post-1972, and they used the petrodollar. But at the end of the day, inflation never really went away. They simply came up with substitutes. You know, your home is an investment. Ergo, it should be worth 10 million bucks. And it makes sense up to a point until you've got homeless people everywhere, right? But what if your home is supposed to be a home, like food, is supposed to be food. And we probably wouldn't want to have credit default swaps and bundled mortgages or whatever the fuck, food loans. It would be insane. If we applied the logic of the real estate world to food and water, it would be fucking crazy. And yet, you, you try to explain that to people and they, and they give you that kind of look like you're trying to steal money from them. Excuse the idea that Fannie and Freddie, when they went into the mortgage market, became like, what, 50 or 60% of it overnight? Yeah, that's a perverse incentive. That's a real moral hazard. Ignore the fact that the Federal Reserve has been extremely friendly to the people that want to bid up shelter. Very friendly. Ignore the fact that BlackRock and Bain Capital and major, major organizations buy up property, buy up homes, keep them off the market in order to have artificial scarcity. Ignore that too. Ignore the reality that we can't all work at Home Depot. We're not all going to you know, end up working at the restaurants. You can have whatever opinion you want to about flipping cheeseburgers, but guess what? You're never going to have an economy of people flipping cheeseburgers. That's never going to happen. You may imagine a multiverse where we'll be planet cheeseburger and who the fuck knows. But in reality, on planet Earth, planet Boblimptok, we're not going to have an economy based on Home Depot and cheeseburgers and the fact that you think your home's worth two million bucks. That was never going to last. I have jokingly called many of these homes a Weimar wheelbarrow, because, you know, the proverbial wheelbarrow of money you needed to get a loaf of bread in Weimar, Germany during their hyperinflation. But the reality is it could be an empty wheelbarrow because by the time people understand what the hell's going on, it's entirely plausible that they won't have access to any of the basic things you need if you want to have a home that has value. And that is things like food, water, and security. You need all of them. Otherwise, your home's worthless. If you don't have all of them, your home is not worth anything. 
and people will understand that. It's not because it's the end of the world, but the current economic arrangement is currently failing. They're covering it up. They're doing a pretty good job convincing people, just as they have since 2009, that everything's okay. But, but it's a lot of papered over crap. And the real economy, the real people out there are suffering just as bad today as they were 10 years ago. And there was never recoveries or, or some period of greatness. It was a lot of printed money to keep the show going. But the show is almost over. It was probably coming to an end in the summer of 2019 for those, for those sensitive enough to see what was going on in the banking system. But then you had the COVID, you know, <clears throat> global austerity, and then you had a whole bunch of other things, and it kind of kept the lid on the bottle. You know, it, it did, and it's still working. The Ukraine war serves the same purpose. It creates a sense of fear. It provides an excuse for Keynesian spending. And frankly, whatever hanky-panky Jerome Powell has to do to chase the tiger and run from the bear, he's going to do He's going to do it. He can't catch the tiger. All he can do is chase it. He can chase inflation, but he can't catch it. And if, and if he stops, you know, chasing inflation, well, the bear is probably going to eat him. I mean, that's the thing. If he actually takes over the, the, the tiger, the bear gets him. If he runs back too far and, you know, yeah, the bear, I mean... This is not, there is no way for him to win. There is no way out. I think he knows this. I think he must. You look at pictures of the guy, and he knows that he's in an impossible circle jerk. You know? People say, you know, he's like Volcker. He's not like Volcker. Volcker would be at 18% right now. Maybe 20. That's what Volcker, and he wouldn't talk in basis points. What kind of crooked commie crap is that? That's the crap you come up with when you got to keep rates pretty low to keep them home buyers and sellers satisfied. But when I was a kid, they didn't really talk in basis points. They didn't. They talked in full percentage points. It went up 3%. It didn't go up 300 basis points. That type of Soviet nomenclature serves one purpose, and that is to confuse people about what the fuck is going on. The reality is Jerome Powell cannot subdue inflation. The reality is that if he raises rates too high, he ends up crashing the economy that way too. He can't print money. He can't, he can't go back to quantitative easing. He knows this. That will be inflation running away. There's no way to win. So it's one of those things where I said I wouldn't talk about the news, and this is true. But it's one of those issues that I get a gripe about. Because one thing I can tell you about homeless situations, if you want to get a driver's license, did you know you need to have an address? Oh, Dan, the homeless can cling themselves up by the bootstrap. Really? Did you know that if you want to get a driver's license, you need an address? Right now I have a P.O. box. Even though technically I have a living situation, I don't have an address. I cannot get a driver's license. Tell me about the fucking bootstrap. Yeah, tell me, motherfucker. I had the same thing happen with a mobile phone. 
a friend wanted to actually just get me a phone. I went to the AT&T store. They asked me for my driver's license stuff. And, and, you know, they said it had to be the same person who bought it and everything else. People will oversimplify how easy it is to crawl up out of homelessness. Hell, I haven't even seen the worst of it. I've seen glimpses. I've been at the park. I'm currently sitting on a beautiful piece of property in a wonderful situation. And I'm not exaggerating or being facetious or joking. I lived in Little Saigon. I saw the brutal homelessness. And if you understand that there are brick walls, there are catch-22s that prevent people from getting out of that situation, if you can understand that, then maybe you can reach a point of empathy. <coughs> and that doesn't even go to the reality that if you if you do make mistakes if you do let that anxiety and depression and hell get to you then maybe you do start doing drugs and it gets worse and worse and people say put them on mcneil island put them in a fucking barge and i think about the types of things people have done to each other throughout history like during the french revolution did you know did you know the, gu the guillotine was very, very theatric, but it wasn't quite fast enough? So during the French Revolution, the revolutionaries during the terror would load up their criminals onto barges in the Seine, and then they would sink the barge, you know, probably 15, 20 minutes, whatever, maybe an hour. Nobody's holding their breath for an hour. That's the kind of killing only Hitler could, could really appreciate. And when I think about the attitude of a lot of people towards the, towards the homeless and how fundamentally irrational it is to not take a proactive approach, to not triage, to not do things to get people off the street so they're not ruining your business, when you understand that it's not just that they're being mean-spirited, but they're fucking crazy. Because the value of their homes would go up, the value of their businesses would go up if they did something. I'm not saying that every homeless person's a good person. Hell, that's not true. But I'll say this, if your main issue, as I've said so many times before, is that they're crazy and they're criminals and they're drug addicts, well, gee whiz, welcome to the Senate and House of Representatives. Okay, welcome to just about every politician out there crazy, <coughs> criminal, <coughs> addicted to drugs, probably in a lot of cases. And so I'm not saying, well, well, Dan, are you saying that means homeless aren't bad? No. I'm fairly certain there are homeless that are bad people. But I'm also certain there are families out there that drop off the radar and it becomes almost impossible for them to escape. And so if you want to fix, if you're one of these Seattle is dying crapheads who take seriously only the opinion of the police department, if you actually want to solve the problem, you're going to have to get real. And it's not going to be super cheap, but if the budget of Seattle is $7.4 billion, I think you could scrape the money together to put together a decent triage program. Triage, okay? Isolate the people that are drug addicts and criminals, they are the folks that you can direct towards the cops if you want to, if you need to. Isolate the families and keep them intact. And then for single adults who are really no threat, who simply want a way out, 
isolate them, triage the problem. And probably within a few years, yeah, maybe people will show up. I'm homeless and I want to go to Seattle. Folks, it's like the beetles, the beetles that are eating the trees in California. If the forests were in good shape, the beetles would have nothing to eat. They're not the cause, they're the wrecking crew. Okay, if Seattle became a magnet for every homeless person, well, number one, I think you franchise the idea. You get other cities to do the same. Maybe even convince other cities around the world. Do it right. Understand these are human beings for the most part who are simply at the bottom rung and in a lot of cases living in hell and they're pretty much convinced that you all hate them. And me personally, I don't know what to tell you. I've always kind of dressed like a homeless guy, especially the last decade. And so I get the looks. Like, oh, look at him. He's some type of craphead. Could we put him on a barge? <coughs> in the Strait of Juan de Fuca. And then sink the barge. With, you know, a thousand others. And if your issue with this, well, Dan, it sounds communist. Actually, I think I'd rather do this voluntarily. Like, I, I wouldn't really want government involved, and I wouldn't want to tax anybody. Because I think if you can make it work, you can convince people to donate to it. Um, but you want to know what communist is? Rigging a financial system to somehow delude you into believing that your retirement is your shelter. That's commie bullshit. You take away the Federal Reserve. You take away with the closing of the gold window in 1972, you take away, in fact, all the institutions that have corrupted us from a banking perspective since 1913, to include the income tax, and I'm fairly certain people would voluntarily solve the problem in a far less brutal way. And I think people can understand common sense. No, homeless people are not all the same. Triage. Separate the families from, from the singles. Separate the singles that want a way out from the singles that just want to go use drugs or the criminals. And the, <coughs> frankly, <coughs> set up a spot. Someplace way out. Give them the basics. And if they want to use drugs, have them use drugs there. Behind, behind barbed wire, behind gates. I, believe it or not, if you gave them a decent bed and a decent meal, uh, and, you, and you actually saw how a lot of these um, heavy-duty drug users live, and you introduced harm reduction and counseling, that would work. And you could potentially save some drug users from that hell. But again, it's about common sense. And it's about understanding that the value of your home is in part a function of the externality of homelessness. That's reality at this point. Okay? People cannot afford to find shelter. Their lives fall apart. They can't eat right because in reality it's hard to eat right without a kitchen. Uh, yeah, it gets worse and worse for people like that. Dan, I can't believe you said that. Well, like I said, I'd do it voluntarily. I would raise the money somehow. I would convince, I would put together the right team and prove it in a town someplace. Seattle's a good choice. And ultimately, you keep it voluntary. You don't tax people more, but you do give people the opportunity to use common fucking sense. You have a choice. 
You can let the homeless person poop on the street in front of your store. You can kill the homeless person or put them in jail. And frankly, jail is the most expensive alternative, by the way. So you could kill them. That would be cheap. Or you can get them to some place where they can be essentially find a way out of being homeless. And they're not there pooping on the sidewalk. They are someplace else. But that means people have to be willing to make little sacrifices. Maybe there's a piece of property that's been zoned for the super mall Walmart x-ray. And maybe you need to use it for something else. You have to figure out a way to give people a way out. Right now, homelessness is a black hole. You get to a certain point and people simply can't escape. We have to somehow, with homelessness, give people the possibility of escape. Otherwise, maybe it is over. I mean, you know my opinion as far as the economy goes. So maybe it is total economic collapse. Maybe we're going to all be barricading our towns. Maybe we'll all turn on each other. Maybe we will. I'd like to think we can do better than that. But frankly, a lot of people, that's their attitude. Me against everybody. Well, folks, a time's coming where we're going to have to voluntarily, on the basis of freedom and liberty, make the choice to not be jerks to each other. Because if we can't stop, then it will become a living hell. And maybe that's when the Bigfoot arrives. Maybe he looks down on us, the garbage people of Quadrant 7. He has many dimensions. He travels through space. He is Sasquatch. He is powerful. He can become invisible and pop up right in your face. That's right, Sasquatch. Maybe if we don't get our crap together as human beings and we keep doing the same dumb shit and we keep waging stupid wars for dumber reasons, yeah, maybe the Sasquatch are going to be our chastisement. The Sasquatch people. Maybe they've been planning this for centuries. They've seen us. They've seen what we do. What we do to our own families. They've seen our anger. They've seen our rivers. They've seen our oceans. They've seen our skies. They are the Sasquatch. They are the guardians. They are warriors. And we're going to find out When General, when General Torbus of the 8th Wookiee Army, excuse me, don't sue me, Lucasfilm, I mean the, the 8th Sasquatch Army. When Torbus linked up with Dreg, the, the commander of the Yeti League, and they formed a pincer movement against the Drog forces, the human scrumbo, they were destroyed. These ain't Ewoks. These are 15 feet tall. They got photon cannons. They got missile launches. Just because you see them naked only means they're Danish. 
only means they're Danish, baby, just because you see them in their underwear. And I get it. There's this also this, this dissonance, this recognition from the perspective of the home buyer that I might have been swindled. And this happened to a lot of people in 2008. They got swindled. And then they, you know, did the quantitative easing and the top one and the top two. And they did all the bond buybacks and, you know, QE1, QE2. Oh, was there a QE3? Asked Janet Yellen about Belgium. Um, and, and low rates forever. And they were. They were low for a long time. And now that, what are they at, 5% or something? But the problem is, I think inflation, real inflation, uh, it ain't 6 or 7%. I think it's closer to 10 And they're hiding it. They're lying about it. Manufacturing companies are going along with it. You know, it's called, you know, down-serving, where they reduce the amounts, they reduce the size. Just add some water to the maker's mark. No, it, it's it's a situation where if we could choose liberty, if we could choose kindness over communism, if we could learn how, finally, somehow, learn how to live with each other with and, and solve problems without the threat of force, if we could somehow do that, I think we'd have a fighting chance. But the problem is the solution over and over again is let's do something, you know, by raising a tax and adding more laws and more cops, more prisons. <laughs> yeah, that's not going to end well. It already isn't. But Dan, stop being so serious. Well, I'll tell you something. One day, there'll be a sailor on watch somewhere near Bremerton. It'll be early in the morning. It'll be time of the sunrise. He'll see something weird coming at him from all directions. You know, Sasquatch riding orca whales, carrying spears made out of small trees. And then comes the volley of these small trees hitting that cruiser. And the captain wakes up and the crew wakes up. They break out the Vulcan cannon. Or what they call the sea whiz. It's the cheese whiz of machine guns. But it doesn't work. The Bigfoot spear hits the sea whiz. It knocks out the missile systems. They're all getting scared. They start handing out the rifles and handguns. Oh, we gotta defend, defend borders. And the Bigfoot take over that cruiser. And they attack various parts of Bremerton and Eventually, the Bigfoot with the raccoon people, the crow people are neutral. The crow is a neutral creature. The crow is cynical and observant. 
The crow has a sardonic wit and is urbane. The crow understands that it loves the McGriddle, the one that McDonald's throws away. The crow loves our crap. The crow loves our popcorn. The crow is a connoisseur and loves the human garbage. So the crows stay out of it. They're basically, they're literally sitting on the fence. But the raccoon people have an axe to grind. And the squirrel. The squirrel people join with the Bigfoot and the raccoon and the orca. The dolphin, like the crow, they kind of stay out of it. They don't really like us. But they don't really want to join. They're not joiners. Let's check the time, because I've been ungumbulating for over 65 strinctus, and that amount of ungumbulation produces strogulominus. Yeah. Yeah, I guess I did rant there about the homeless thing, but I've been thinking a lot about it, and maybe selfishly, because, you know, I know people who've been in the situation. I know there are levels. I know the level I've been at, until I was able to get the place I'm in right now, the level that I was at was a pretty high level, which means I didn't have to deal with the land crabs and the drug dealers and the street enforcers. I didn't have to deal with a cop coming by and saying, move along. I was at the park. There are levels that are not linear. They're not linear, the transition. It's, it's, it's not a linear transition. It's exponential the levels that you go down. It's a logarithmic scale at least. And there are, there's Richter level 10 or something. And I maybe have pierced the levels of one or two in terms of homelessness. But there are levels that are just ugly. And the outcomes for people are terrible. So what do we do about it? Do we bitch and moan about it? Do we try to do something? What am I really doing other than just yelling and screaming? But what I am certain of, no matter what we do, is that if we approach the coming future with the same attitudes we've had, it's not going to be pretty. It's not going to be. And if you think you can build enough prisons, you're confused. You can't. If you think you can hire enough cops, you're really confused. You can't. And if you think you're going to build robots to round people up, you are even more confused. But we still have a choice. We do. How we respond to the future can be done in a rational way where we try to come to a reasonable consensus about what's going on and how we solve it and do so in a voluntary way. Or we can, you know, point guns at each other and threaten each other and steal resources until when? Until, like in the Goodfellas movie, as I've said before, you've stolen everything you can from the restaurant, then what do you do? You light a match. But is that really the legacy, the philosophy that we want to leave behind? 
that the way we dealt with the future was just by being giant pieces of crap? You know, hey, we can't have it our way, so let's push the button. So who knows? I am going to work on a fictional series called Bigfoot War One. I expect to, yeah, I expect to be able to get it out there soon enough. I hope that I hope I do the first chapter this week. If I do about two or three thousand words, and once again, before I move on, that whole Michael Jordan thing was not a racist thing. It was just, I don't know, this silly idea in my head about famous people and how you can name diseases after them. Of course that's wrong. Let's just get get over that. But yeah, I want to work on a fictional series, um, Bigfoot War 1. I have an idea for Chapter 1. I want to do a couple chapters a week. We'll see what happens. It might be crap. It might be crap. It might end up being terrible, and uh, that's what it is. You know, you can either try or you don't try. That's it. Do I think it's the end of the world? I don't think I would still be really trying if I thought it was the end of the world. I do think some crazy shit's about to happen. It doesn't mean it's all going to be bad. I have no way of knowing, but I have a hard time believing, given the amount of deception going on, that it's anything good. Does that mean it's the end? No. But I do think something ugly is coming, and it's going to be the question of how do we respond? And, and for me, too, let's say nothing ugly is coming. Let's say it's something else. Let's say it's the utopia of living in condos on Mars. How do I respond? I, I gave myself a five-year window in 2020 for two reasons. One, because I thought, yeah, in terms of how the government works, if it was a fuzzy event, they would probably think in terms of five- and ten-year windows. And I figured if they were pulling the trigger on the nutty stuff they did in 2020, Five was more likely than ten. But it was also because I needed to give myself a limit if I was wrong. So far, I don't think I am. It still doesn't mean I know for sure what they're hiding. And it could be simply, as I said in 2020 in that podcast, I think Bank Holiday, in March 2020, it could be, you know, the U.S. dollar basically losing all of its value and, and, and a dollar collapse. It could be. That might be the best case scenario we're looking at. You know, I think if it was that, I, I think things would have already kind of happened already. I don't think it's that. I think the dollar is going to be plenty strong enough to get them through what they need to get through. So it's something else. But who knows? I could be wrong. Am I prepared to be wrong? I'll tell you, I believe I am. But I could be wrong. I could end up creating a church. I heard once that the Seventh-day Adventist church was based upon a dude in the 19th century who predicted the end of the world sometime in the 1840s. It didn't happen. There were these crazy people in the, you know, 1350s, 1340s, who wandered around, you know, during the Black Plague. They screeched and screeched and screeched. It's the end of the world. But it wasn't. 70,000 years ago, if you believe science, 
70,000 years ago, roughly, a caldera volcano goes off, a super volcano, and knocks the human race down to less than 10,000 people if you believe what you're told. And in the time that we supposedly have existed, let's say 200,000 years, 150 to 200,000 years for Homo sapien, how many travails, how many crises, how many ice ages that were brutally cold, you had to be with your woman, you had to be with your mate, your man or woman, whatever, the point is you need a warm body. Humans can endure. We can. I mean, I fear that Dane Wigington is right, that we've done a lot of damage, and I fear that he could be right. It, it could be the case that it's almost hopeless. But he tells people not to give up, and I'm not sure how real he is, but he, I think a lot of what he says is true. And that's good advice. Don't give up. Do I think all the solutions involve handouts and stuff? At this point... And I'm, I stick to what I said in 2015, 2016, when I said things are going to go crazy in about five years. Um, it's a lot like a toilet bowl, a dirty toilet bowl. You know how there are crusties on the side of the toilet bowl because it's dirty? Chunks of dried poop and other scrumuli. Well, a flush is coming. And that dried crap it's your lifeline. Hold on tight, baby. That's how you don't go down. That's how you don't get flushed. Find a crusty on the side of the toilet bowl. Yeah, find a crusty. fucking up yeah but that's gross dan you're saying we have to hold on to a dried piece of shit on the side of a toilet bowl to survive in a proverbial metaphorical non-literal sense yeah that's your best course of action at this point i don't think if they're geoengineering they're not going to stop and the amount of time left that they can do it i think is measured in months so if you want to stop geoengineering, here's my advice. It's probably going to stop on its own. I think things will fall apart enough for that. I even think Dane Wigington would understand that perspective if I ever spoke to him, that this idea that it can continue through an economic collapse is absurd. It's absurd. They won't be able to make it work. They can make it work now the same way they made a lot of Latin America work for a lot of the 20th century, and that was by printing money and handing out bricks. They did that in Afghanistan, too. There were U.S. military who rolled around Afghanistan and Iraq and handed out bricks of $100 bills. Hey, do what we tell you. I'll give you a bunch of these Benjamins.
problem is the dollar ain't what it used to be. The problem is there are other countries and economic blocs that are using their own currency right now to include settlement through trade with raw materials, gold, silver, oil. They're doing other things. And we can blow them up and we can kill them. But really, is that actually going to stop it? So who knows, brothers and sisters? I mean, it's the question you, you can ask yourself. Do you need to stop the geoengineering? Do you need to stop the war in Ukraine? Do you need to worry about the feds breaking down your door to steal your Ruger 1022 and your banana clip? Or do you need to realize that it's possible that one of the reasons why your good friend Uncle Dan gets banned is that sometimes he calls Biden the mayor of Washington, D.C. And you know, tells you that the government itself is going to collapse a bit when the dollar crashes. And that's the best case scenario, really, to explain a lot of it. That's it for me. It's also possible I'm wrong. And sometime in 2026, we'll be heading to Mars because we just landed on the moon. And I'll, I'll get a first-class ticket on the Elon Musk nightlight special. Yes, I will go to Mars. I will have flying cars. I'll have a telephone that fits inside my brain. Yes, I'll have a, a laser eye. I'll have a robot arm. I'll have fingers of lead. My soul will become a crystal. My mind will be filled with all of the ancient woe. I'm heading to Mars. I will live in the sand. I'll form a metal band on Olympus Mons. I'll form a metal band on Olympus Mons. I'll travel the Mons. I'll admit I'm wrong. And I hope I am. I hope I'm wrong. I hope all the magical crap they talk about in popular mechanics and popular science and all the carbon capture and all the, well, we don't really know what's going on in the Arctic. Maybe the Arctic is going to have a magical amount of ice next year and it'll be just like it was 100 years ago. You never know. You never know. It sounds like they came close to a blue ocean event this summer. So we'll see. You know, it's like what Dr. Freckles said. If the government tells you something's going to happen in 100 years, you only know one of two things is true. A, it'll never happen. Or B, it's already happening. We'll see.
we'll see. I hope I'm wrong. I've been saying that consistently since 2019, I said. Not 2020. It was in late 2019 that I said, okay, now is pretty much a good time to be thinking about the future because things are about to become a bit nutty. Um, I wasn't the only person. And, it, and I think, as I've said, a lot of people had a spooky intuition that a lot of the nonsense was coming to an end on one level. Like many of the quote-unquote hidden truths, the occult, which that's what the occult means, something that is hidden, that many of the hidden things would be revealed, and, I, and that did happen. We learned a lot about humanity during COVID-19, whatever the hell it was, okay? We learned a lot, and, and there's a lot of that we can't unlearn, and I think children learned a lot about adults during 2019, and it's hard for me to believe that the people who run the world would take a wrecking ball to human civilization in such a way if they had some type of long-term plan for us. It's hard for me to believe. It's a tough sell, just like the reset. It's a tough sell because they had the power to turn off the world. What power did they lack? What did they need? They didn't need one world government. They already had it. They had it through every crooked arrangement every secret treaty. They had it through the WTO. They didn't need a secret cabal. They did it in the open. They had the power. So that's the question I ask myself, just like the Fukushima question. These are people with yachts. Well, what does that mean, Dan? Well, people with yachts like to enjoy them. But why the hell would you want to sail around a Pacific that is being more or less kind of slowly killed by bleeding radioactivity from Fukushima. The fact that the world didn't swarm around Fukushima, ignore the Syria crap and hype, ignore all the wars, stop the wars, let's focus on Fukushima. The fact that they didn't told me a lot. You don't invest money, you don't invest resources in something that isn't going to last. That's the lesson of Fukushima. That's the lesson of every crooked little pod building they build in the Seattle, like little tumbleweeds in Seattle and San Diego, other cities. When that first nuke goes off, they're going to blow like tumbleweeds. I lived in one of them. And I imagined myself, after an overblast, tumbling my way to Lake Washington from a little Saigon in my tumbleweed pod bent. All 150 square feet for a thousand bucks a month. Amazing. And frankly, I didn't hate it because me, my Disneyland isn't out there. It's in my head. So I didn't totally hate it. But folks, nothing I see looks like the powers that be are worth it that really want to invest in the future. They're doing stop gaps to to basically keep people happy. They're doing lots of stop gaps to keep people participating. They're doing the QAnon and the Trump and the RFK Jr. to keep people believing that I can just vote next year. They're doing everything they can with bread and circuses to keep the quote-unquote Romans under control. This doesn't bode well, okay? This, this is not a setup for the pyramids on Mars psyop. This is a setup for the, yeah, like I said, it's good, fellas. They go into business with a restaurant tour 
they steal, they take out loans, they rip that place off until there is no flesh left. And then what do they do? What do these gangsters do? They light a match. And that's, the, in my opinion, if you're looking for a best case scenario, that's what it is. And it could be just merely economics. It could be the reality of peak oil. But in my view, it's something else. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. The dancing nurses will show us the way. They will dance like banshees, dance like witches in Macbeth. They'll tell the tale of the narrator from a dark angle. Oh yeah, bubble and trouble. Give me a note. Give me a word. Give me eye of newt. Give me a cat's paw. Oh, dancing nurses, make your boiling boil. Toil over the soil, right? I don't know. I did, I played in a community theater in Macbeth once. I was Banquo. I was Banquo, and he's a tragic figure in Macbeth. Oh, he's a friend of, of Macbeth. Yeah. You know, friends of Macbeth, baby. They don't do so hot. I was Banquo. And I was vanquished because I was a fool. So if you want to donate to this podcast and I didn't piss you off because there are no notes and I was really angry and ranty about homelessness and now you think I'm a commie, but I'm really not. I simply recognize a social, natural, uh, a disaster of socioeconomics, a natural disaster of socioeconomics when I see one. And I don't see anybody wanting to do anything rational. Everybody wants to do crazy, angry things. So yeah, I, I ranted about homelessness. Forgive me. And we talked about Bigfoot and how Bigfoot's really fucking pissed off. And there ain't one. There's probably a billion of them, 15 feet tall. They have the power of invisibility. They probably have high-tech weapons. But that means that doesn't mean they won't do an Ewok on our ass. And the raccoon people will join in. crows will stay out. They're on the fence. They like the McGriddle. That's just the deal. Yeah. If you enjoy this podcast, you can donate to it, but first hear my speech. Before you donate to random people on the internet, take care of food, water, shelter. These are things you need, okay? You need all three. Or you think, well, I can I can live off of food and water. I don't need shelter. Okay, wild man of the West, the reality is humans need all three, especially right now. So before you donate, take care of that. If there are people in your life that need help, help them first. If you set aside food for yourself or your family, let's say six months worth, that's not crazy in my opinion, make sure you're thinking about your pet. If you have a dog or a cat, I, I love dogs. Some people like cats. Some people like iguanas. 
some people like African gray parrots. They're pretty cool, Mr. Juma, wherever you are. So if you're setting aside food for your family, set aside food for your pets. If you don't have the money to do that, do that before you send money to me. And understand it's not the end of the world. Whatever scenario we're facing, it's not the end of the world. If we can keep our heads together, and part of that is the psychology of allowing yourself to be happy. Because life has always been crazy, and people have always died. And if you didn't know that by the age of 12, then I'm sorry. It's one of those things somebody was supposed to teach you. No matter the time you live in, good times, bad times, people die. And you don't know when you're going to die. So before you donate (coughs) to this podcast, because I'm dying of scrombo, (coughs) before you donate to the podcast, donate to yourself. Donate to your psychological well-being. There could be crazy economic times ahead where you can't go to a movie because you can't afford to, or just as likely, there ain't no movie because the theater burnt down. (coughs) In either case, in either case, um, you can still go to movies right now. You can still go to a restaurant. You're not dead yet, but we all die. So before you donate to my podcast, maybe you should like donate to yourself. Yeah, I'd love your money because, hey, I'm living in a camper. But it's actually a, it's a luxurious camper. But if you've done all these things and you're a Texas billionaire and you ride down the street on a horse shooting golden six guns into the air like, pew, pew, I'm a Texas billionaire. (coughs) You can give me your money. You can give me millions of dollars. I'll go to a casino. I'll win big. I'll win big, baby. You can. It is Monday, September the 25th. I don't know the time. I think it could be 7 p.m. It could be later than that. I don't think it is. I think it's about 7 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, but it could be earlier. Wherever you are, whatever you're doing, remember and understand it's not the end of the world. I'm telling you, I think that they're lying to us about stuff, but that doesn't mean it's the end. And also, I could be wrong, and also... You know, the Chinese symbol is so often said for chaos and opportunity is the same symbol. Well, maybe we can learn something from that. There could be opportunities in the future to be better people than what we are today. We could be stronger. We could be braver. We could look into the darkness and say, not today. Today, I'm going to light a candle. Today, I'm actually going to do something rather than just be angry at the chaos. Instead of complaining that my Starbucks was a little late, maybe instead I'll count the things that worked out well because the list of disappointments could be a long list of brothers and sisters. The list of disappointments could be an anchor that holds you back. Don't focus on the disappointments. I gave that up 10 years ago. It happened at this one restaurant in Seattle. I was working for Microsoft. (laughs) go figure, as a contractor, and I was having breakfast. And it was one of those experiences where I said to myself, there's something wrong. I just paid 30 bucks for 
cold eggs and undercooked bacon and potatoes that basically tasted like something that they had three weeks ago. 30 bucks. Here's the deal. I could focus on the disappointments or keep track of the things that weren't disappointing. For example, if you live in Seattle, there's a great Chinese restaurant called Snappy Dragon. I think they still exist. There used to be Nate's Wings and Waffles. Before the COVID, maybe they're back. And if they're back, and it's the same Nate's Wings and Waffles near Seattle U, they're pretty cool. You don't have to look at the darkness and agree with it. You don't have to look at doom and say, okay. Everything about us is about that kind of essential rebellious nature. We do not have to go quietly into that good night, that night, as that poet once said. We don't have to. We can scream and yell. We can defy it. We can't. I mean, I'm a Christian, and I would tell you as a Christian, the Lord does not want us to simply give up, but the Lord does want us to be righteous. He does want that. He wants us to look out for the widow, the orphan, and the stranger. Those are the things the Lord wants, but he doesn't want us to simply give up. So let's not. Let's, let's at least imagine the possibility that in the face of great darkness, voluntarily, as free people, not as drones, not as slaves, not as soldiers, not as some kind of crooked mass of nothing, I mean as individual human beings, we can choose to be free and we can choose to be righteous. Have a great rest of your Monday.